Kaylee, you're a great friend. Hey, thanks, Lisa. You are too. Thank you. <laughs> this is Kaylee and Lisa's best friend podcast. Beers, beads, best friends <laughs> for Battlestar Galactica. You cannot play God then wash your hands of the things that you've created. Sooner or later, the day comes and you can't hide from the things that you've done anymore. Welcome back to another week of Beers, Beats, and Battlestar Galactica, where we, your co-hosts, Kaylee and Lisa, take you through the sci-fi original series, Battlestar Galactica, episode by episode, with beer, and it's the season three finale! Holy shit! And we're so much close, 75% of the way through. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, what about all these other things, like the Caprica series, which is apparently amazing. The, uh, all fans <laughs> agree... If you love Battlestar, you love Caprica it. is just amazing. Dead. No. Um, anyway, it's probably interesting now that I have spent so much time with this series over the last season with you. Um, it would be interesting to go back and rewatch Caprica because I haven't watched it since it originally aired. Well, look, I'm not saying we will do it, but we could. It's possible. It's possible. There's also some sort of original series I hear this was based oh, on. Oh yeah, I like, heard about I heard a that. Rumor. There was there was some kind of random thing. Seventies ish. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Alien robots. Exactly. Different plot line. Um yeah, so uh we're excited. It's taken me two years to get to the season three finale. Um, which May eleventh is our two year anniversary, which is very exciting. Happy anniversary. Yay. It's not my anniversary. No, but you're a part of this family now. You can be part of the anniversary. Thanks. Um, we have so many beers. We uh, thought we would episode. need a lot of beers today. Well, really, we bought two for the episode and then I had two in my fridge. So Which it's feeling increasingly like we're going to get through. Because we does. got through one just before we even started recording. I'm very chatty today. I spent the whole weekend alone on my couch and I and am a pretty- now you are our captive audience. <laughs> exactly. I am a very introverted person by nature, but sometimes if it's just too much time alone, <laughs> I am like, oh my God, a human? Hey, human, how are you? Let me tell you everything I need to tell you. Which also, is this everything. first beer we drank is 8.7%. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, so tell us about the two beers that you bought, Kaylee. Yeah, well, I, I bought... Um, I've been sitting on this particular combo for a long time, waiting for the end of this. I've season. seen this second one before, and I want to say the title, and then you, yes, yeah, but you say the first one. So we have the Truth Imperial IPA by Flying Dog, which was uh, Flying Dog was the first beer that we ever drank on the podcast Aww. together. Flying Dog Raging Bitch. That's when we did Razor. So nice, right? Actually. Full circle. Uh, there is, we're going to post the picture, a beautiful, I think, very accurate portrait of Lee Adama. Oh, yeah, that looks bottle. exactly like him. He just needs more pinstripes on his suit. suit. Yeah. Uh, with a little note that says, I do solemnly swear. Looks very shady. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the second beer is called The Truth is Out There, which makes it sound Canadian. It's but an actually, stout. It's an oat stout. And it's brewed and canned by Michaela Brewing, New York City, which is in Flushing. And just how nerdy and perfect it's is that? It's so little beer? nerdy and perfect. And then we also have from our friends at Firestone Walker, who brought this in for me, and I said I would shout them out. And I'm sure it's going to be a delicious beer. We have a Mind Haze IPA 
from Firestone Walker. I believe they're based in Can- uh, California. I almost said Canada. They're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, based in California. And then we have this other random beer with a really cool label. There's a lot going on oh, here. Oh, I missed this whole other part of the can. From Kings County Brewery, um, which is very space-themed can. But with a werewolf? Okay, yeah. But what's really funny about this is I'm just going to skip ahead. So, like, I mean, it's not skipping ahead. But I watched David Icke's video blog. And it might be the right time to put this into the episode because there's all these funny videos of people like making up endings to Battlestar Galactica, like the cast, <laughs> because they were given fake sheets for this episode because oh, it wow. was like so was anticipated. Level. But also... That's some then, Game of Thrones nonsense. Yeah, but then people were like also just like messing around with like different endings. So Jamie Bamber, whose accent in real life is ridiculous. It does not seem right when you've just seen him be American. But it's like not... I imagine he is much more charming. But it's not the British accent you expect. <laughs> it's not at all. Um, he's like, <laughs> um, yeah, there's like this massive green monster and then Adama gets eaten by it, which is kind of what this looks like. It's a Kings County Brewery Collective, um, Jack's Abbey uh, Down the road collaboration in, Brooklyn. in Brooklyn. Um, Luna Lupulus Lager. Um, and it's a very cool can. We'll post a picture of it. Um, but I am for going to for this episode. Uh, also share what Anders, I don't remember what the actor's name is. There were, there were two more predictions. So one of them, which I think might have been uh, Tori. I don't remember her real life name. Um, or maybe it was someone Rekha else. Sharma. Uh, Rekha Sharma. Um, said it was going to be an America Decides with alternate endings, which I thought was also very funny. And then Anders' <laughs> character, uh, the actor who plays Anders, um, said that it was going to be a musical spinoff. And I thought that you'd appreciate Where that. Where is that version? <laughs> We're going to create it. I threw my pen so far. I have to get it back. Um, and then Hilo, uh, so Tam- uh, Tamao Panicket. He was hilarious in the video thing because he was like, well, I'm only number 10 on the list, but I have an insider tip from number four, which is Jamie Pampa, <laughs> about what the ending is going to be. <laughs> and he was just doing this whole thing. And it was just, it was actually very short and very cute. It was on the DVD. Um, so so funny. Well, apparently Edward James almost got um, sides and information like way faster than the other cast members because about Starbucks. About Starbucks for sure, which we will talk about. But also, um, there's a story, uh, I believe, with Rekha Sharma, uh, who plays Tori. And um, Edward James almost knew that she was going to be asylum before she knew. And he was like, just you wait, just you wait. And she's like, wait for what? (laughs) She was very funny on the video blog. Like, she was just, like, saying all this. She seems like a funny human. It's like this cast is really personable and charming they and are. N- interesting and entertaining. Also, Rekha, please be on our podcast because you follow us on Twitter and you shout out to us like often. So I and know you also know you're the one spoiler that Lisa. But it's worth has it to have her interact with us. Yes. Did we say who the spoiler was? We before never the did. Cast? Okay, so I was spoiled because Rekha Sharma followed us on Twitter and it says silent in her bio, and I didn't know. I just like. Was like, oh, um, is it Tori? I wasn't sure. I just always kind of squeeze out everybody. And yeah, I was like, Cylon at BS- uh, BSG. And I was like, no. I imagine it colored your viewing of these two episodes, though. Once she was somebody who was hearing the music, yeah. you're like, okay, cool. I know what that means for all so these So I would characters. like to think that I'm brilliant. <laughs> but really, I was already... I, the minute that, that mu- she heard the music, I was like, oh, everyone who hears the music. So like... 
you'll see it because I'm going to share the text messages that I sent to Kaylee. <laughs> who was Who was not epic. with me when I watched. And I was on the subway, so it would be like nothing, nothing, nothing. Eight texts. <laughs> <laughs> Just my updated reacts to every single thing that was happening. Um, <laughs> but I did pick the four Cylons pretty much at the beginning. Oh yeah, no, I think you so. were yeah. We can look it over, but you were you were pretty solid once the uh, once the episode got underway. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, and you have also, I believe, shouted out as potential silence in the past. Um, you definitely at some point said maybe Sam is the Cylon. I did, and mm-hmm. I think I did at one point say Tyrrell might be too. I think so, and I. You I all, you, didn't yeah. say with Tori because I knew. But then um, Ty is the only person who, I think I said it in earlier episodes, but then I was, the thing that held me back and the thing that I'm still kind of annoyed about and we can talk about is like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, because of how long he's no, been. No, Nodama. Yes. And, and I just don't think that fits in. But uh, Ronald D. Moore on his podcast did say that they have like a book, like they have the whole backstory of all of these characters the only way I can see it making sense for me is if he did exist as a human and the Cylons kind of like cloned mm. him and put him back into the world. Because as far as we know, like Cylons kind of come out one age um, and you'd imagine that if Ty and we've seen back uh, flashbacks. We have Ty. where he they they took pains to make him look younger. Exactly. So it's like, OK, so we know that he looked younger. So he's aged. And so that's the only thing. Like, I think there have been times when I suspected Ty and people can tell me if they think I'm wrong. But I think that there were a few times when I, I even if I didn't talk about it on the podcast, I had thought about it. But I dismiss that thought because of Adama. So I feel a little cheated by that one. Yeah. Well, the rest I, but I think that's in. part of the wrench they wanted to throw into the works. Yeah. It's like, oh, you think just because you saw this character when they were younger means they're excluded from this possibility. But it doesn't fit no. into the world building. But I guess things don't always have to make sense. With or them. is there but more world building that we're going to explore in season four? Well, yeah, I feel like for me and you maybe put this as a prediction well, obviously, we know that the final five are different. I think the problem is is that it kind of would indicate that the final five existed before the other seven and while the other Cylon Wars were going on, which it seems like when the other Cylon War was going on, you had that whole hybrid situation mm. with Adama on the other planet. And so it's like, I don't know, it just I'm sure that maybe retrospectively it might make sense. But from where I'm standing, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think you are exactly where everyone who watched this <laughs> show through uh was that when i got to this point okay great Mm -hmm. well that makes me feel better i'm just the common man really indeed (laughs) common viewer can you beer me before we uh beat by beat which beer beer by beer i fear i feel like so i want to have the truth is out there because um i feel like it's the other beer for this episode but i also feel like we shouldn't go i feel like we should finish on a stout we should finish on a stout so let's go for the lager cool Oh, look at that sound. Crisp. Crisp. You're beating me on the beer. All right, let's do this. All right. My first comment, by the way, is hair. I just thought I'd throw that out there. That was your first text as I well. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was that good every time. So let's officially intro. Um, I'm going to intro both episodes because I think we're going to roll right through once mm-hmm. we get started. So we are talking today about season three episodes. Are we at 19 and 20 now? Or 18 and 19. I think it depends Depending. what 
but most numbering. I think for our sakes, 19 and 20. Uh, season finales. Season two part season finale of season three, Crossroads, part one and two. Uh, part one was written by Michael Taylor, who wrote a few episodes, most notably Unfinished Business, mm-hmm. fan fave. Mm-hmm. Uh, part two was written by Mark Verheiden, who has some of the worst episodes under his belt. Well, what a great idea to give him the season finale. But the finale is good, I it think. Is. It is. So good. I think maybe he was, un- he, I think he's a producer as well. I think he got stuck, perhaps, with some of the worst episodes <laughs> Uh, which are uh, among them um, Final Cut, the documentary episode, Black Market, the wow. universal fan-hated mm-hmm. episode, uh, A Day in the Life, which we just ripped to pieces mm-hmm. <laughs> recently. He's written some decent ones as well, but I thought it was interesting that like, yeah, I don't maybe they just kept feeding him episodes until he like knocked one of the park, which mm-hmm. I think... Uh, I think Ronald D. Moore also had a heavy hand in these episodes. It seems like it. He talks a lot talks about, a lot about like, it. oh, I took a pass at the script and I changed literally everything. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and these were both directed by Michael Reimer. Who I actually heard speaking for the first time on that video thing. And he is very Aussie. Nice. <laughs> and very much like the director for Battlestar Galactica. Mm. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's beat by beat so we open in a dream with Rosalind and her like straight straightened hair and her like is it her real hair is she in a wig I thought maybe it was her real hair straightened because she usually has like luxurious curls oh my god her hair is amazing all the time and it's just like different here it's just a lot she's wearing some sort of like green brocade it's very obvious it's a dream from like the get-go yeah Mm. because where would she be on any of these ships dressed like that running through these oh don't they have opera houses in well they have a courtroom so Mm. i don't know uh she is chasing a little hera in a little dress who i feel like looks older than we've seen hera looking i don't think aging counts for much with these babies also it's a dream yeah um, no, but we see Hera later. But she looks younger there, I feel like. Uh, nope, I think it's the same. Okay. I think it's just because she's walking. Perhaps. Um, And she's like running through these hallways and downstairs after Hera, who is also running and just like giggling the whole time. Uh, She catches Athena's eye across like a balcony and they're both chasing after Hera and then six scoops her up. So That's I feel all like we this see the first time. Yeah, I feel like this is like okay, cool. We go back to it later, but also this is just a completely unresolved plotline in the. I mean, for now. Yeah, yeah. It's like maybe next season, sure. We are, and we are back to the opera house where three had her visions. Yeah, and later on we'll see the same like five hooded figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think they're going nowhere with it. I don't know how. How much solid, I just mean in solid this episode, answers you'll get, but yes. I mean, in this episode, it's just like this random thing that's in there. Sure. But, but the fact maybe that they're all connected by the dream is pretty fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. The I was like, it's either just the Kamala that connects her to the Cylons or it's like the fact that she was injected with half Cylon blood. Very possible. I thought that, because I was trying to think of why she would be included. And there's also still a fifth Cylon yet to be accounted for. Don't do that. Don't make me suspect that everyone. That is my job. 
That is why I am here. I know if you're hinting at her that she can't be, surely. <laughs> like, you wouldn't do that. Or would I? Oh, come to on. throw you off the scent. Oh, shush. Continue. <laughs> I just, I think that's, they're setting that up as a potential, like, ah, why would all these people be connected? Mm. There's still one person missing. Obviously, there are other people that maybe you would suspect. My mind didn't even go there, actually. I don't know why I don't think she is. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're in Adama's quarters um, with, wow, just blank and non-names right from the get-go. We're in Adama's quarters with Gaeta. Mm. We find out that we are 12 jumps away from the Ionian Nebula, mm-hmm. getting closer to uh, the next potential signpost mm-hmm. to Earth. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but the Nine Inch Nails closer just came into my head. Sure. That's not about, well, it is getting closer to God, but it's a different way of getting closer to God. I think Six is familiar with that way of getting closer yeah, to God. I feel like if you don't know that song, go and look it up. Actually, even better, go up, look up the Richard Cheese version. Have you heard that? I'm sure that I have. It's, yeah, Richard Cheese is entertaining. It's an entertaining version of that song. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I might, or I might try and insert it here. Let's see how... How tired I get of editing. I wanna fuck you like an animal. I wanna feel you from the inside. I wanna fuck you like an animal. My whole existence is flawed. You get me closer to God. So they've been leaving these. Uh, they've been leaving like a raptor every time they jump for six hours to see if the silence are following them. Backstory, backstory is science space. Exactly. Yeah. And there's there hasn't been any indication that the silence are following them for a long time. Meanwhile, we're at Joe's pub. Oh, my God. My first I was like, Celix is so into Anders. That was yep. like so into Anders. It's like so obvious from the beginning. But of I this feel episode. like she's being really like like. Um, like she's kind of laying the groundwork, but isn't going to be forward. No, because or weird. she knows that he just lost Starbucks. Yeah, so he, I think she's, she's like being trying respectful. to be cool. But don't you hate it when that happens? When you like, oh, that person just broke up with someone, and you're like, you know what? I really like them, but like, I'm just going to be there, and like, I'm not going to expect anything. But and like, then it's disrespectful to make a move later, right now. They're in a relationship with somebody yes. that they're getting engaged to and yes. moving in with. What I don't have any real life. Yes, no, about no this life whatsoever. experience about that. But like, is that's not so relatable? Oh my god, you're right. And Kaylee reaches for her beer. Um, but it's so relatable when you have this situation when you're like, oh, but I do like this human and like whatever. But like, it's disrespectful. And then someone else doesn't really care if it is or not. Mm-hmm. They're just gonna roll on in and. I mean, in this case, there seems to be some sort of unspoken connection. Well, yes, but still. Anyway, I mean, it doesn't. We're not even at that part yet. We are. I just right now there's just a little Celix flirting. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, Celix, and like it's cute. It's so cute. He's like they're playing this like little arcade version of Pyramid, where he's like, this is nothing like the real game. I'm an athlete professional. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, Ty is fiddling with the radio. This is the first time we hear this like little, like a little, some music. Where's it coming from? Oh my God. Will it be an important player in the rest of these episodes? Um, Can we talk for a second about the song or should we talk about it later? Do you want to talk about it now? 
Yeah. So Ronald D. Moore actually has wanted to put this song in an episode of television for a very long time. Hmm. He was going to put it in an episode of Roswell. Apparently he tried to, they wouldn't let him. And then I think that he was going to initially put it in an episode with Sharon and Hilo. Oh, yeah, like Athena and Hilo, I guess what you call it. Oh, you still Sharon. But he was gonna put it in an episode with them when they were on Earth together and like it would just come on and they would know it. And he really loves the song and what he wanted to do was basically demonstrate connections between like the Earth that we have and their world. Um which is a really interesting development within it is. this universe. Yeah. Um, but it was a very specific choice. Yes. Yes. And so I believe that they tried to get him to play the Jimi Hendrix version. And they're like, no, we'll get the rights to Jimi Hendrix version. And I love it. He's like, well, actually, it's a Bob Dylan song. But also <laughs> <laughs> um, he's like, he made sure to mention that on his podcast. But um, also he the whole point was that it was a cover. So the whole point of it was that it was it was the same song, but it wasn't the song that we knew. It wasn't the version that we knew. And it's actually Bear, Bear, McCreary, Bear McCreary there you go. who does it. Um, and so that's him, like his version of the song. And it is like, it's a theme that Bear McCreary wrote for BSG kind of blended with all along the watchtower. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. really love that part from yeah and, and i love I, the song and i love the incorporation of the song and i heard it was controversial but so i texted you that and then i was looking on the internet today to be like this was like this received like mixed reception right and everything i could find on the internet right now it just says like yeah this is such a huge part of battlestar galactic and we love it so i think possibly it was just me and the people i was watching it with at the uh, time who were like is this weird i uh, feel like when i watched this for the first time i spent a lot of the episode being like is it weird that they're all saying lyrics from all along the watch? So this is the thing. So I picked up on the lyrics before I picked up on this song right. as well. Like yeah. I was messaging you saying, isn't this a song? Like I'm hearing lyrics from a song. And it took me out of the world enough that I, I felt like I wasn't as engaged in the episode. So I was like, what is like, mm. it bothered me at the time. And on a rewatch, I like it a lot better. Okay. So I definitely text you and said, like, is, is this a song? And um, it's funny because Ronald D. Moore sort of thought that taking the words out of context, people wouldn't get it. No, you get it by like at least the third. I think it's like the third time somebody says a line that's like unmistakable. I think that's probably when I, I text you but uh basically so mrs ron as she refers to herself uh she said she didn't get it at all but then mm. they were in a um college uh watching i don't even know what they were doing like they were talking about how they were watching it with like a group of college kids or something and someone was like oh like from the first lyric was mm -hmm. like oh it's the um uh, uh, the watch how song he, he actually said that or she or whoever it was they um and uh and Ronald Dima was like shit <laughs> but well, I think it's like a rare a person who catches thing, it that early yeah, yeah that's a little bit the thing again of this show occasionally thinking that their audience isn't going to pick up on something that's actually very obvious well both of us did so <laughs> but I yeah. think that generally like I don't think that people necessarily would unless they were particularly I mean I think the thing with us is that both of us hear the world in song lyrics that's so very it's true like about we us. Uh, no but I have other friends like that too like where you, someone says a line and then all of a sudden you're singing a song and that's just how 
our brains work. So it's very natural for us to hear one line from a song and be like, da 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 da. Like it's it's just very normal. So You're I think so right about that. There's also um like I was very familiar with the Jimi Hendrix version of this song, but there's also if you've seen this movie, y'all, please reach out to me so we can be best friends. There's a German movie called Bandits. No. I, you looked at me so hopefully then. Please. Uh, just because we've had this moment before. Um, I know. But I think it was released in probably like the early 2000s, maybe late 90s. And it is essentially about a band that forms in a women's prison and escapes prison to go on tour. Oh, my God. It's so ridiculous. But they do a really fun cover of All Along the Watchtower in that movie. And like I was obsessed with it before Battlestar. So I knew very well two versions of the song. So mm -hmm. the lyrics were really standy outy for me. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. And I'm really sorry I couldn't be with that. Because I feel like, you know, you looked at me with such hope in your eyes. You're no like, one Please. ever knows this movie. And but I, you should it's show me. so dear to my heart and we'll watch it sometime. Because I, I it's actually. Not a, it's not an amazing movie, but it is an amazing movie. It doesn't need movie. to be. <laughs> I, I, Kaylee watched one of my favorite obscure oh, so movies. And it's Another so cute. Musical. It is a kind of musical. It's it's kind of non-musical musical. It's an interesting kind of musical called La Chanson de Moore, which is a French film. It means it's love songs. I think if you look for the English title, it's on some streaming service because I couldn't get my copy to work with subtitles. So we ended up buying it. It was lovely, though. It's very um, cute. But back to All in the Watchtower, uh, there's two things about this song that I think are really interesting. One is that the song is known for being like... The whole lyrics are very cyclical. So the last verse, um, which is the thing about like two riders were approaching mm. actually makes more sense at the beginning of the song. So mm. it's, it becomes this, all of this has happened before and all of this mm. will happen again type of song when you look at the lyrics. Um, and there's also a quote by Bob Dylan about his songwriting process, uh, which is the songs are there. They exist all by themselves, just waiting for someone to write them down. I just put them on paper. If I didn't do it, somebody else would. And I really like this idea and I think it really fits with what Ronald D. Moore is trying to yeah. say about kind of the universe, which by the very end of the second episode, we see the continental like North America. Mm. So we know that our world in some capacity exists in the same world mm. as Battlestar Galactica. But something about a kind of a consciousness that exists have like you read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? I haven't. Oh, that's basically the whole premise of the book is like, it's it's all about creativity. It's kind of, okay. It's um basically, uh, it's Elizabeth Gilbert who did like the, I don't know, that famous book, uh, Eat, Pray, Love. Uh, and she's had a very interesting life, but she talks about this idea. And the whole thing is like all about how, uh, you know, kind of creativity, like, is a like what I really love about it is she kind of like she's going against the idea of the tortured artist and she's talking about how like it shouldn't be like that and she worked a lot of years like as a waitress and she just like really appreciated like things and like took experiences from that and wrote and like didn't think it owed her anything but then a lot of it is also like that idea of creativity passing through people and I think she has a particular anecdote about like meeting someone and she had this brilliant idea and it never came to fruition or the opposite way around. And then like, they like had an exchange and then all of a sudden, like without even talking about it, like this idea ended up with someone else. And I love that. Like there are things that I want to exist in the world. Like, for example, I think that Harry Potter should be made into a TV series. Have I talked about this on the podcast? You before? have, but I might've edited it out for time. 
Okay. We're not doing that in this episode. For example, I have a very specific idea about how I want a Harry Potter TV series to be. And it should be like skin slash dear white people where every episode is a different character and every book is a season. Thank you. You're welcome. I am never going to do this. Even now I work in media. I'm not going to execute on this idea. Can somebody please do that? I want it to exist. I want that thing you do, the musical, to be on Broadway. Yeah, exactly. But like, anyway, the point is, is that the, the, the ideas exist, uh, creativity and ideas exist outside of people. And I am not that kind of person, but I love this idea. Cool. Anyway. So we're about 30 seconds into the episode. <laughs> uh, we really are. But we were going to have that <laughs> song conversation at some point. Anyway, We were. It's important. It's Better beautiful. when we're less drunk. And we're all connected through some sort of higher creative process. Beautiful. So Tori's having this meeting with the uh, prosecuting attorney and she's trying to be a hard ass. And this lawyer is like out hard asses her. Um, she's like, Rosalind wants you to charge him with genocide. And this lawyer is great. She's fantastic. So um, one of the nuggets from the nuggets of wisdom from the podcast uh the role was originally written for a man who's going to be like some older professor or what and then they were like we got too many dudes and like not enough strong women oh my god thank you (laughs) (laughs) what's the anti-patriarchy jingle (laughs) i love that yes correct and i uh, honestly because of the way i watched the show i kind of didn't even realize that the prosecuting like she's the prosecuting attorney but she's all of the meetings she takes are with rosalind and tori so it is kind of this like women versus the men it kind of is but i don't think it's played it's as not at men. all. It's just and like I, side I didn't versus even, side. Yeah, I didn't even really think about it until they mentioned this. And then I was like, oh, yeah. And then we get to have these scenes with like these these women. Yeah. Ah! Yay. Good call. Uh, I love her. And she's like, I can't like you're asking too much. I can't make genocide stick. I can't put Laura Roslin on the stand for her to say, oh, I had this vision that I saw Gaius with a six on Caprica. Um, she's so good. She Yeah, and she's so right, and it also really sets up, in case you missed it from the previously on, it really sets up, like, Rosalind having visions and being on drugs would be bad for the trial. <laughs> no kidding. Hmm. Um, and she has this great line of, like, I'm sure there are other lawyers who would take the case if there are other lawyers. I love it. I love it. And because I've Brilliant. been watching so much of The Good Fight lately, which is just, like, about so many boss, like female lawyers uh it's great to see another court scene uh so Gaius is receiving a visitor who he thinks is from the press but actually she's like look at my son he's sick and I want you to bless him just what Gaius needed a fucking god complex he already had one he already had one well that's why he's so perfectly suited for this line of work Uh, and he Jesus, ta- I'm with you. <laughs> His whole he like dismisses her, and he's like, "No, I'm not God. I'm not the God. I'm not a God. God, send this woman away." But then once she leaves, he's like, "How many is that?" Yeah. So Ronald D. Moore compared where Gaius is at now in the last episode or one of the last ones. He was like, "Oh, he's writing Mein Kampf," and now in this episode, it's like, "Oh, he's Charles Manson." <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so many great comparisons. All we have of some the more most evil figures in society. Um, actually, it, Charles Manson. Interesting that you say that because in the end, so so to be clear, Kaylee and I listened to two different podcasts. So Kaylee listened to the first episode. I listened to the second episode. So we've had different uh, experiences. Um, but. What informed, and he made it very clear that it was informed, it wasn't like a, uh, an exact whatever, but he said one of the things that informed the whole thing with Baltar was um, the George Bush presidency. Interesting. So he was talking about um, the fact that um, there were many parallels with the Iraq war and how people just and he's like he made it very clear that he didn't vote for George Bush but he thought that it was incredibly hypocritical of the American people that they had essentially voted for this war and then when they didn't like the outcomes of the war that they wanted to like you know hate on him and he's like well they that's what a democracy is and he was really trying to I he, I mean he made it clear it wasn't a parallel but it was an inform like the George Bush thing informed the thing with Baltar that's very interesting I would not have really put that together even though I know like what was happening politically mm. bef- honestly like there- while this was airing but a little before this show aired uh, fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, he you get what you that. pay for. For America. sure. And I think that was his thing is he was like, well, I didn't vote for him, but do I think it's fair that we're putting everything on George Bush? Like, I don't think that he found that very fair of the American people to say, oh, we voted for this thing. And so he was kind of talking about democracy and the way democracy sort of, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, so Gaius has had a few visitors. He's had like 30 or 40 letters from people who see, are starting to see him as some sort of religious figure. And he's like, oh, pish posh. And Six is like, what if they're not crazy? What if you are fucking good? Like, oh, that was an Lord. excellent page turn, Kaylee. Thank you. Uh, meanwhile, racetrack Wait. and skulls. What? What did I miss? Wank it in your rack. Sorry. That's a line. I think it's scene. later, but yes. She's like, you're but a ladies' also, man. And, and he's like, it's therapeutic. And I'm like, yeah, don't shame him for masturbating. Yeah. What you need, you're in this space apocalypse. Take I care would, of yourself in whatever way you need to, my guys. Um, PSA, guys, masturbation is great. It's stress relieving. It's, it's so good for you in so many ways. Yes. It can either wake you up or put you to sleep, weirdly. Depending. Depending. Um, masturbate every day. That's my PSA. PSA from your dear co-hosts. And our genitals. Also, I feel like keeps you from making the occasional bad decision. If you're like, I know I can tend to my own needs. <gasps> yeah, sometimes. sometimes. I think there's something about skin to skin connection. I feel like sometimes it makes it worse. You're like, oh, yeah, but I just, oh, I just need that extra little itch scratch, you know, of the human thing with the skin and the skin. Or the human Cylon thing. You don't know. Hey, you don't Cylons know you have into. skin? They do. Yeah. Been proven. Exactly. Um, They're on this raptor for 12 hours. Is there a bathroom? Good question. Like do they have like suit. a thing in the space Probably. Suit or like a little diaper or something? Probably. These are the things I think about. Yeah. I think, I think in space I think they I do have those. I think I could create a whole podcast about where did they pee. Oh my god, that's our next podcast. These are not the I feel like there issues are... we need to be debating right now, but they're yeah, the issues anyway. you're getting. Okay. <laughs> I, as always. 
You <laughs> get what you pay for. <laughs> we don't have a lot of people who pay for much, so. No. Nope. But thank you to the ones who do. We love you. We love you so much. You make this possible for real, for real. Okay. So we start our trial. And we have this beautiful opening speech from the prosecuting attorney about how we measure loss. It's beautiful. She's a great lawyer. She really is. And she gives us this breakdown of the numbers. um, But also in my head, I was like, how do we measure, measure loss? Like (laughs) just riding that Battlestar Galactica musical that everybody's looking for. Mm hmm. That everyone's asking for is in hot, hot demand. Hot, hot demand. We don't want to be giving you this. You know what? If We're some, if they can to. run improvised Buffy every month, I'm sure we could do one Battlestar Galactica musical. There's, there's an audience for anything you want to do in New York. Exactly. And anyway, you all are gonna uh, come and see us because. We're what only else gonna are you do it gonna once. Do? Exactly. Yeah. What, uh, what do you have? Like lives in other countries? Gum. Gum visits. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Uh, there, interestingly, there's no um, title or credit sequence in these episodes. Oh, yeah. I noticed they that. Were they cu- just have they it were on the for a time. Uh, so we don't have any kind of survivor count for these two episodes, but we do have the numbers that the lawyer gives us, which are... Um, yeah, but uh, they didn't seem right because I thought she said 3,197. No, dead or missing... Just from when they settled on New Caprica to when they escaped New Caprica, there were 5,197 people. Dead that makes missing. so much more sense. I totally misheard that. And I was like, wait, that a math minute. doesn't check out. Um, and this is my second musical theater reference within a scene. Uh, she has this whole bit about like, instead of a president, we got a murderer. Instead of a government, we got tyranny. Instead of kisses, we got kicks. <laughs> <laughs> that's some annie for you right there so <laughs> uh romo lampkin rodmo rodmo <laughs> alternatively called uh comes out with this like very passionate opening statement where he's like oh well we want to change our plea to guilty because you all think he's guilty already you've already prejudged him so what does it matter it's a lot uh, this and mind then he's like, ipa it's very good. Okay, I'm ready for that. Yeah. Can I have that? Yeah, you can. Um, There's still some lager left, but... I think that lager will remain left. Thank you. Great. Um, Yeah, he's he gives this very impassioned, like, what do we want? We want righteous payback for our enemies. We want to slaughter them. It's a lot. Uh, There's, like, one audience member who's there with him who's he's like what do we do with our enemies and somebody's like put him out the airlock yeah like, that, that just, guy's ready that was very much like um the south park like guys that's one of my favorite south park lines still also i am still first quarter of the page and i feel like that's my third beer oh yeah good luck everybody so I love Guy's face during this scene. He's just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do right now when you're like, you should just kill him. His face is just confused. He's like, perfect. is this strategy or was this guy against me the whole time? I have no he idea. He has no idea and his face shows it. Uh, <laughs> good face. He gives good face. Um, Rosalind's coming back from the bathroom, which apparently there's a deleted scene here. 
where she was like sick in the bathroom and she ran into Athena and they had a little moment. It might not have made it to the deleted scenes on the Yeah, DVD. because I feel like there are deleted scenes and then there are things that Ronald Dean Moore talks about in the podcast that never made, that it, never to made it to those. Yeah. So the deleted scenes for this episode, which we can talk about now, there's one of Apollo and Rod Moe. He's Rod Moe in my notes because I just think it's funny. Uh, in the courtroom talking about what's right which and talking about the adamas and them being the new aristocracy um there's another scene of rosalind talking to the media so it's an expansion it's like you know that line that we're going to get to that i love which is how long do you have to live karen that and butterfingers two highlights of this episode so that line is actually great on its own but in the uh deleted scene there is a whole thing where she's talking about like how nobody you know, knows how long they're going to live and all of this stuff and like how she was supposed to die many times. And it just took away. I just, how long do you have to live? Karen was just like such a great line and it was such a great cut. So I approve of that, but they're the only two that show up in the deleted scenes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. There was just more, there was some more peppered in, I think about how Rosalind is getting sick, uh, which I don't think we needed. I love that it hits you like a ton of bricks on the trial where you weren't, you're not expecting it. And I think that um, I think that he talks a lot in the podcast. It's like he's talking about things that he deleted from the written script, and then things that he's deleted from the yeah. yeah, yeah so it's exactly. different. Mm. Um, but your man Rodmo makes a good point. I think where he's like, like, what if Rosalind had been offered the same choice, surrender sure. or die, and she wouldn't surrender? What would have happened? Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. I think it's very, I, uh, tr- truthfully, I am very much on the defensive side of this. Like, and I, and it's not about um, right or wrong. It's about double standards. And I think that's what is illustrated so well with this. It's like, cool, but like, we don't like him. Great. And, like, what's tragic mm. is all the shit they don't know about that they couldn't prove in court that Gaius did before they got mm-hmm. to New Caprica. He fucked over humanity like three times and counting. But yeah, but I think that anyway, we'll get to it later. But we, I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. I think that I sit with the defense a lot on this. Um, no, in terms of his role as president during the silent occupation, I I don't know what else he could have done without dying. Yeah, for sure. So, it was he was in a hard place, and I actually like. We'll get to Gator later. <laughs> later, Gator. Later, Gator. Uh, but I don't love his arc in this episode. Mm. I think, and I, I think that Ronald D. Moore's commentary adds more color to it and we'll get there. But like when I first watched it, I was so pissed. I think I wrote to you. I was like, fuck, what, Gator? No. I've I've just had enough beer to say put a pin in that. Mm. Um, um, we're definitely going to move this into two. Sounds great. Great. All right. Uh. So, oh, he, here is where we get the line about the self-healing, which is lovely. But the trailing raptor, um, I think, is like they're going to do a time check and they're probably about to wrap up when five Cylon base ships jump in. Oh, no, they really were following them the whole time. Oh, my God. But it took longer than six hours. Nobody mm-hmm. knew. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. Good call, Adama. Yeah. Uh, so then they have to have a debate about whether they're like tracking devices on one of the ships that they missed and they're going to look for them and Rosin's like hey maybe we could ask our Cylon prisoner mm-hmm. and I I loved this moment where she just gets so short with them like 
Adama and Ty are kind of like, well, like she's going to tell us the truth. And she's like, you know what? just do it. <laughs> it's so great. I love her so much. And then we get Head Gaius. Head Gaius. Um, but not before uh, Narc Apollo is going around sniffing everybody's tea. Oh, yeah. That's random. Shit. Yeah, well, he has that strong a smell that you I would think smell it, must it from be. far away. It must be, and the um, Amanda Plummer, uh, lady on New Caprica was like, "Oh, this the Kamal is so better. Do you have some candy?" <laughs> um, he's such a nosy little shit, though, because mm-hmm. he kind of sees Rosalind step off to the side with Adam, and they're having some sort of conversation that strikes him as odd and. He's just being a, a wanker. Oh, my goodness. I've never heard you use that I word know. Before. You used it the last episode, and I was like, I was like, what's a, a word that fits? And it felt like the best one. Wanker's a great word. It is. You say the R and everything. Uh, I can't not. I can't say. He's such a wanker. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> Sounds weird. Um, anywho. So, yeah. Ty goes to visit six. And she gives him the answer right away. She's like, oh, yeah, your fuel ship has a weird radiation signature. They probably figured out how to track it. So good. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks, Six. Thanks, Six. I guess Rosalind was right. Mm. Uh, And then Head Gaius pops in. Mm -hmm. in He's got pinstripes, too, I believe. Head Gaius. (laughs) I get Uh, the same face as What's-Her-Face when she says Starbuck. And I'm like, (laughs) Head Gaius. I love, I love him because he's Gaius, like just pure confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which he ne- he's so little of. <laughs> Usually, um, and he's telling Six kind of all about Ellen, and he knows everything about her head Gaius, which mm-hmm. is interesting. And also, I think going back and watching the scene again after you know who Ty really is, is fascinating. Mm. Where they have a lot of this, like, oh, you Cylons, and oh, you humans. Mm-hmm. And like, uh-oh, you're both Cylons. <laughs> ah! Um, he smacks her after she says too much shit about Ellen, and then she punches him. It's great. It's it. a very beautiful moment. And then she smirks. Like, I know. It's great. Smirk. It's like that thing where you just, don't expect it because she's a prisoner and then she hits back and you're like, yes, worth it. Mm-hmm. All the shackles and everything. Worth shackles it. Shackles off my feet so I can dance. Sorry. Sorry. You said shackles. We've been through this. Now you know how our brains work. Mm-hmm. We're and you're still here people. after all this time. So after all this time. You must be expecting it. Uh, and then Ty, the next scene is immediately Ty on the stand and he is drunk. So drunk. Uh, and the, the, like, so drunk to the point where the attorney's like, hey, like, did Gaius ever do anything that was not terrible? And he was like, no, no, Ellen did more. It's like, cool. We no, didn't talk about Ellen. Nobody asked about her. Probably nope. for a reason. Yeah. Literally uh, nobody asked, but sure. <laughs> um, and she kind of, the attorney you can see is kind of like, oh, I wasn't expecting this. Going to wrap this up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Rodmo's like, oh, hey, what's up with the wife? And Apollo genuinely seems to not know anything. He's just like, I assume she died uh, in the exodus. Mm. And he yeah. puts it together very quickly. Mm. Uh, 
also doing a, a lot of wincing here as he gets up with his cane like oh, oh my yeah. poor feeble body which, which is, we know is bullshit yeah by the i end love of the it. episode he's a great lawyer he's a great liar, liar? I was same gonna, it's the same it's the same to me um so we hear sorry to all the lawyers <laughs> <laughs> there are good lawyers out there sure yeah no there are i there have are. friends i have very good friends who are lawyers and they're great people who care a lot about the world and justice it depends on what kind of argument you this beer is amazing i'm sorry I it's really good myself halfway through so shout job, out mine but, is. but also yeah firestone walker because actually they gave me that um that beer opener can of um oh nice bottle opener because your old one was so bad oh no i didn't have one on my keys though but yes, you're right. The the Star Wars the one Millennium wasn't Falcon great. bottle opener is, but it's so cool. <laughs> um, but uh, no, these guys were so nice. They came in um, when I was working at the pie store, and they uh, found out we had a Battlestar Galactica podcast. And actually, they um, they bought us in some beers, which is so nice that of them. That is an absolutely lovely IPA. It's a great IPA. I'll I'll shout out to them again on Twitter, and you guys should um, definitely pick up some of their beer if you are able to get it. Um, this and mind haze no IPA is great. No one's paying us any money to say this, so you know no, well, we actually gave, like it. They gave us some free <laughs> beers, but it was like, oh, try it out, have it on your podcast. They were so nice about it, and actually, the only reason we only have one is because my colleague and I were fighting over the IPAs because <laughs> they gave us two lagers and two IPAs, and we both left the lagers in the fridge, and we and we took the IPAs and we split them up, and the other one was their like standard, and I went for like I thought mind haze would probably fit with an episode better. Probably um, every episode. I mean, this is actually very appropriate for this scene with Ty. Because um, yeah, he's in a bit sure. of a mind haze right now. Um, because of his usual shit and because he's hearing wacky Cylon music. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But anyway, thank you so much to Firestone Walker. And um, I'll definitely give them a shout out on Twitter. And who knows? Maybe they'll send us some beer for the, another episode. Who knows? Mm-hmm. It's delicious. That's all I know. Um, so... Uh, he brings up, Rodmo brings up uh, that 33 people died in the suicide bomb that was carried out basically on Ty's orders and Ty's like, they were all traitors. They were all collaborating with the Cylons. Again, so fascinating once you've seen the end of all this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it makes so much sense because that's totally how I'd take down the human race if I was a Cylon. Mm. We can get into that more <laughs> later. <laughs> Um, I do love that there's another judge that's like checking Adama this whole time. Yeah. Uh, which was also apparently something that was important to Ronald D. Moore. Who but there was also only one female judge. Well, yeah. And one person of color, which I was like, come on, guys, you could have done better. Yeah. But I did like the five judges and I did like how they worked together. And I. She was the one that did most of the talking. Yes. She uh, was. And it was important, I think, to Ronald D. Moore to be like, look. I know none of this makes sense and Adama shouldn't be here and Apollo shouldn't be here, but at least we put this other lady on to but be I like thought a, about more it. a voice of reason. I thought about it a bit and I'm like, there could have been another way for them to get Apollo up there because when you see his testimony later, he could have, he could have just been called to the stand. He didn't need to be. Well, this all started because in the original draft of the script, um, there was the whole Romo is going to die. Well, also that, but Romo is going to die in that bomb, and Lee was going to be the only lawyer. Oh, which okay. he's not a lawyer. 
Uh, and then as the script got further and further on, they were like, no, he needs to be support. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that he like got up that like mm-hmm. that was already paired back like way down from okay, the original okay. script. Anyway. Yeah. Um so anyway, just Ty is immediately discredited mm. because he keeps talking about Ellen and he, uh Ronmo's like uh oh did you ha- have you been drinking? He's like I haven't been drinking. I had a drink, which is the thing that alcoholics say probably yes. to like get out of tickets and that kind of thing. Likely. Yep. Uh and then he hears the music and he's like oh they're playing music in here now and it's just so sad. Um and uh, yeah, Lampkin puts it together really quickly that like uh, Ellen probably didn't die at the hands of the Cylons. She wasn't one of the people on like this list. Mm. Like she was collaborating with the Cylons and he knows Ty instantly, mm-hmm. can read him instantly and is like, did somebody kill her? Who killed her? Mm. Who really killed her? Mm. And Ty is drunk enough to be like, I did. And it's so his performance in the scene is heartbreaking so good and the way that he kind of like looks at adama and it's great and i love this actor by the way michael hogan Um, absolutely brilliant oh my god he's in 12 monkeys he's so good every time he pops up in something i'm just so excited he's a great actor um and he has a great job and he brings so much to this character who is not a particularly likable guy no and i am actually really excited as much as i don't at this point and surely i'm sure Given the beloved nature of this series, oh goodness, look at the light outside. It's beautiful. It just got really, really pretty out there. Um, I'm sure that it all makes sense a little bit more in the end. Perhaps. Although I know that Ronald D. Moore is one to bring up questions without many answers. But I am excited to see his arc as a Cylon, I will say. Although apparently Michael Hogan, the actor, was... A little pissed about this revelation. Uh, I think he was, like, his concern was, like, is Ty suddenly going to be, like, super villain? And I don't... Instead of kind of villain (laughs) hero-ish? Like, he's already a really complicated character who's Mm. not great. Mm. Um, But I think he was worried it was going to become, like comic book level good versus evil and suddenly mm. ties evil and i don't think it's a spoiler to say that's not exactly where this is going it seems very obvious from the end of the episode that that's not the case yeah yeah um but anyway he's like okay so gaius baltar made you kill your wife and ties like yeah and i'd do anything and i'd say anything to get him set out the air like just fully discredits the mm. whole witness mm-hmm and we hear some more music. It's it's all pretty tragic. Meanwhile, Celix is still flirting with Sam mm-hmm. at Joe's. Tori rolls up and does that thing that I fracking hate that people do in restaurants where they're like, I don't know what I want. Surprise me. Like, no, no. Because yes. you're not equally happy with a Bud Light a $45 glass of scotch or a mimosa. So I totally feel that side of it. I hate it, by the way. Just, I hate it. I hate it when people tell me, just be a grown up and make a decision. But I also, that's such a mood. (laughs) I wouldn't necessarily tell someone to choose for me, but I would sit at the bar for 15 minutes deciding what I want. Oh, I'll absolutely do that. Or I'll ask very specific questions. Also, I feel like 
Joe's bar probably has about three drinks on offer. For sure. Considering it's the space apocalypse. And it was like, I don't know what I want is where I wrote it's a mood because it is a mood. But uh, you're the bartender. You figure it out is a mood that I hate. No, no, no. That's just disrespectful. Yeah. Um, and he's suitably annoyed. Yes. <laughs> uh, so now Rosalind's on the stand and they're talking about this death list that has the names of over 200 people and is like definitely signed by Baltar. Rosalind. Also, there's a, a hilarious conversation between Ronald D. Moore and Mrs. Ron about how Ron originally, in, in the original script, um, it was written as like, Rosalind on trial day one, Rosalind on trial day two. So the wardrobe department had her in two separate outfits because it's two separate days. And <laughs> then during the editing process, they were like, oh, we want to cut this together and make it one scene. But oh, no, she's wearing two different outfits. And he was like trying to blame the wardrobe department. And she's like, no, I'm sorry. You want to blame them because they couldn't read your mind and decide that you wanted to change everything after the episode was filmed. It was a, I a hilarious conversation. Mrs. Ron. She is uh, a gift. Yes. A treasure. My note on this is... Um, Rosalind has great glasses acting. She does, and she will continue to throughout do, the whole thing. Like I have, acting. I have many notes about her glasses acting. It's very strategic, and it's way better than Roma Lampkin's glasses acting. Yes. Um. But yes. yeah, so there's this like little scene of her initial appearance at the trial, and then the, the defense has to have a meeting because they need to discredit her because she's a fanatic. <laughs> um. But she kind of is. I will say, okay, I know we used to break things up into themes, but now that you've brought that up, and we haven't done that for a while, but now that you've brought that up, I will say something that I love about this episode is the way that it demonstrates, it's like a very good example of do the ends justify the means? Do the means justify the ends? I don't know if I'm saying the right way around. No, the ends justify the means. That's correct. That's the standard expression. That's the standard expression. And I think what's really interesting about it is, um, and this is what's really interesting in the good fight as well. And this is just an interesting thing to consider because I've had some, and I think we talked about last week, the interesting conversations I had with someone who was saying that the Tamil tigers were not a terrorist group because they were genuine anti-colonial whatever does that justify terrorism? And I think that's what's really interesting with this is that a lot of the stuff that Rosalind and Adama do is really shitty. It's like very authorita uh, authoritarian. It's like unethical on many points, but they believe that they're right. But the thing is, is there are a lot of people who believe that they are right and we don't necessarily agree with them. And so I think that it's very important to distinguish what is ethical and what is not ethical outside of what the ends are. And, I don't know. It's just a very interesting thing. And I think it's so well illustrated in this episode. I think like you're so right. And I think it's really easy to, because Rosalind is such an amazing, forceful, strong character on the show. And Mary McDonald is such a brilliant actress and you identify with her so much and you're rooting for her. But if we were in a situation where like the leader of our government was like, I'm on drugs and I see visions from the gods that's terrifying. Exactly. And I think that's the thing that they show very well. And I think like in the good fight, they're doing a similar thing and like not really spoilery for season three, but just kind of on the thematic part of it where one of the main characters gets involved with like a left wing extremist group and they're trying to take down the Donald Trump administration. It's like very close to home. But the things that they are doing are illegal and they're wrong and they're matching the tactics of the opposition 
And there are so many times when this question comes up, like, is this the right thing? And they're doing like legitimately unethical things for what they think is right and what I'm sure most of their viewers think is right. And I really like the way that they show that that's not right. And so one thing that I will say is I love Adama and Rosalind on so many levels, but I do not agree with the way that they take decisions. On the other hand, I understand that there are a lot of times when they have to make these crazy decisions. And so I just think, so if I could give one more analogy, um, I saw there's definitely been times when there's been a conversation about uh, domestic violence and rape and all of his horrible behavior among athletes. And they talk about how on the field or the court or wherever they are, there's this real like, they, they really have to be like this kind of like hyper kind of aggressive person and they're on the court, on the field, they're like this, it's really um, rewarded behavior. And sometimes there's a real disconnect between that behavior on the court or the field and that behavior in their real life. And this is why you have so many scandals from athletes that are domestic violence or rape charges. That's not excusing any of that behavior. I think you could say similar things for what happens with military yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's that thing where it's like, cool, well, we're in one case, like rewarding you a lot for this behavior, but then like, where does that behavior end? And I think Roslyn and Adama have had to make so many difficult decisions and they've and had to make them- the moment decisions because with, this is all life or death. Absolutely. And with a lot of like certainty and clarity, but where that kind of goes too far is that sometimes they don't need to be doing that, but they're still continuing to do so. Mm. And it's not- we love them, but it's also not right, which is another reason why I love these two episodes in this whole trial because effectively they're saying, well, we shouldn't be punished for that, but Baltar should be. Yeah. Uh, as much as I am not a fan of Lee Adama, uh, a lot of the points that he makes in this episode are valid. I love his speech. Um, however, I do think that um, this conversation that he ends up having with... Lampkin and in the courtroom and with D a little later where he just has this like a blind faith in the system that to me is fascinating because like of course you have blind faith in the system because it works in your favor you're a straight cis white man who has had every opportunity handed to him Mm. you have a last name that's going to carry you anywhere you want to go you wanted to be a lawyer two days ago and now you're a lawyer like yeah let's just change it to Capricorn wealthy person because i don't know if anything in the battlestar galactica universe necessarily indicates that being but cis or what's great about the show is how it feeds into the way that the world is yes for sure. and the way that our conversations and i i there's a lot in this episode that i think is fascinating um and i i don't think that his relationship with d was specifically written to be like oh a relationship of a, a white man and a woman of color but their conversation later oh my god i love it uh i have all this blind faith in the system and she's like the system is fucked you shouldn't trust it exactly i love that part it's really really um current i -hmm. think yeah even if so much of this is so current and i love the i mean she's such a small part in this episode which makes me really mad but she is so good in the short time that she's around and even though i like i think that the points that apollo makes are correct i also think that what she said and her reason for leaving 
is also correct. Like I, I kind of That's agree with why them both. this is all brilliant is yeah. because it's so nuanced and no one yeah. is a hundred percent correct. Um, anyway, Gaius looks really sharp in his black suit. Does Lee Adama cannot sit in a chair. So I guess he's <laughs> gay too. Uh, it's been proven. The statistics do not lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lampkin just kind of plays him like a fucking shitty little fiddle. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, do you want to, are you just doing this to piss off your daddy or do you want to actually help us? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get a scene between Adama and Ty. Ty is just absolutely wasted and broken. And it's a really fascinating way to do exposition because Adama's like, I'm going to take care of you, buddy. I'm going to take off your shoes. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on with the radiation signature <laughs> on the fuel ship. Like, got some great news today. Maybe he's been on the couch all weekend with no one to talk to, Kaylee. We don't know. He he's very lives. lonely. He's very isolated in his position of power. I get it. Yeah. Um, I, I feel I actually, Adama. no, I honestly thought it was great writing. I was like, this is a brilliant exposition scene because, like, you sort of don't realize that it's happening. <laughs> uh, and nor does Ty because his response is like, oh, I can't smell Ellen anymore. <laughs> Uh, just Adama forgives no one like he forgives Ty and it's interesting to me because he's very unforgiving of a lot of people Mm -hmm. specifically his son Mm -hmm. but Ty just gets a pass no matter what he does that's interesting Mm. we'll see if that plays out later Mm. damn it I want to know what happens well you can start season 4 soon enough I don't think it convinced you to take a break so I think we're going to roll right in oh, to no. the next season no you cannot I thought about it and then I this is thought a hell I of a cliffhanger yeah, indeed is so I'm finishing the lager that's where we're at that's the mood <laughs> I'll be ready for stout soon enough Great. so Lee has a meeting with Adama so we can have more plot um, and he's like, hey, I know we got all this stuff going on, but while we're doing this trial business, what about this fuel ship with the radiation signature? Maybe we can not fix it and then jump around a lot to throw the Cylons jump off the around. Scent. Jump, 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 jump up, jump up and get down. Everybody jump, 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 jump. jump. Jump! That was the whitest version of anything that's ever happened. It was. In the history we are of really whiteness. white, and we're really sorry. But we really were jumping. We were. We the, were. Hopping. We were jumping on the bed, and we can talk about Casper and his memory foam sponsor us. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! I should approach Casper. We record on your bed. Oh, so smart. <laughs> I feel like I've heard commercials on other podcasts about like, we put a bed in the studio. It was so great. And yeah. we're like, our bed is the studio. Exactly. Uh, so they have this little moment and then he's like, oh, hey, by the way, no reason I'm asking. Um, how's the president? <laughs> but he cares about her. He's totally fishing to see if Adama will confess that he knows about cancer and Kamala because he already put it together. He doesn't care about her. Oh, I read that differently. Maybe I'm just a little more generous to people. I'm like, oh, Apollo really bonded with her. No, he's he's trying to get... uh, I don't know. The way I read it was very much like, let me just see if Pops will confess something right oh, now. Oh, I read it as he was like, oh, I feel so torn on my mom, like my space mom. 
And is she okay? That's what I read. He does get emotional later. We're not going to do it again. Okay. (laughs) I was just baiting you. And Adama, I think, has had a few as well. Reads a little drunk here. Uh, And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you anything after what you did to Chai. Like, you're a liar and a coward and you knew about Ellen and you told Lampkin and like, that's not actually true, but... Um, he's but how pissed. did he? But he says it, but then he also admits that he never told Apollo. So I'm like, well, how do you sus- how do you think that he knew? People knew who were on New Caprica. Okay. I guarantee you, like Anders knew. People knew. Okay, and word could have gotten around. All right, all right, all right, but all right, still. all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, no, ladies. <laughs> uh, but he does have this unfortunate moment where he's like Gaius Balter is a traitorous piece of garbage who doesn't deserve a trial mm-hmm. and Lee is like are we done yeah we're done I'm done uh, and, and then he, he gives him the badge and then he throws it away yeah he like shoves it in the drawer <laughs> Lee is like I won't serve under someone who questions my integrity and Adama's like you don't have any freaking integrity anyway they had a fight There's a a lot of family drama amongst the aristocracy, which is a thing Which they fully play out in the courtroom in front of everyone later. And it's very weird. It's awkward. Just like, there are other places that you could hash this shit out, you guys. Um, So yeah, now he's got his pinstripes. Now he's like, um, uh, Lampkin calls him like captain. He's like, oh, it's Mr. (laughs) Mr. Adama now. Wow. Uh, and he's very suddenly like, hey, I have no qualifications. Let me uh, cross-examine the witness. Yes. Like the probably the the most important witness of course. that we're going to talk to. Why not? Let me just jump up there and do it. And Lampkin's like, sure, sounds chaotic and weird. That's my kind of shit. <laughs> uh, also, I'm just curious about like who's in the CIC because everyone is in the courtroom. <laughs> Yeah, I thought about that too. I was like, A, they have taken five ship captains away. And, but I feel like Hilo's watching, Gata's watching, yeah. D's watching. Like, Everybody's who there. is running this ship? Because we just established that the Cylons were following you guys. Look, it's not important. <laughs> the court case is important. The most important thing. The uh, most important so, thing. So uh, D- Lee leads off his argument with like, hey, didn't Baltard save you from and then there's cancer? A, there's also a cut to heal, uh, Hilo in yeah, the audience. Yeah, which made me wonder. I genuinely can't remember if Hilo knew about that. Oh, shit. I felt like they did know. I thought they did, but his reaction made me feel like I was wrong. So if y'all remember, because I clearly didn't take the time to look it up before we started recording, uh, let us know if Hilo and Athena know no, about No, 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 they did, they did, they did, because um, Sharon was still pregnant. Oh. It was before yeah. the birth. Yeah. Interesting. Because of course, because they said the baby died in birth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so that, it was yeah, when I she was, was trying pregnant. to remember the timeline of like, did they say the anyway? Anyway, yeah. Uh, it's still, he's not happy about it, especially after everything that went down. Mm. Um, the scene, the previously mentioned scene that was cut from the episode where Rosalind and Athena meet in the bathroom was similarly like 
meant to be about Hera because they've those two have never been really in a room together mm. since uh, all the truth came out. Um, but yeah, Lee's like, hey, you remember those medications you were taking when you had cancer? What were they? And she's like, you know, I was taking a lot of medication. I don't remember. And that's when she puts her glasses on. And um, he's like, what about Kamala extract? And she knows instantly where it's going. Mm. And she's going to make him do all the work. She's like not going to help him out. Um, and he talks about how she had visions, which she said were messages from the gods and were really just like, drug-induced mm-hmm. hallucinations and she knows he's about to ask and apparently this was like it was either a mary mcdonald ad-lib on the day or it was a mary mcdonald suggestion that went into the script but the moment where she's like please don't do this mm. and they have that little quiet exchange that was which i felt that was really true yeah. so true uh, and he's like, are you taking Kamala right now? And her response is like, oh, Captain Apollo had had such a nice ring to it. I'm so sorry for you now. And she admits it. She's taking Kamala I like again. that she doesn't lie, but that she also makes him ask her why. Which is brutal. Because mm-hmm. he's ready to be done. And she's like, ask me why. Mm-hmm. You open this fucking door, ask me why. Mm-hmm. I have cancer again. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks mm-hmm. for bringing that up. So Adama's trying to like be admiral of the courtroom and he gets shut down by that one lady, which is still cool. It's great. Uh, except that she just allows everything. That's like her MO. No, but then there's a She's point like, later where she it. doesn't allow that's, anything. No, you're not. And then, you're, you're not wrong. Yeah. Would um, you say I'm right? <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're not wrong is like a double negative, which actually is just like you're right, but it's when people don't want to say it. All right. <laughs> oh goodness so this whole scene leads to d leaving apollo which is great which we're into uh i'm pretty sure it's one of the texts that you sent me for celix that would be great you just got a visual i love that i know that i have that power it just didn't occur to me that like they've both been wounded by Mm. these men Mm -hmm. and why why be wounded by men when you can be embraced by another woman, you know? Exactly. Okay. So uh, this is the scene we were describing earlier, so I won't get too deep into it. But I, I love the way that this plays out in terms of our current political climate. Mm-hmm. D believes that the system is broken and what Apollo's doing is not justified, even though it's acting within the system. Because mm-hmm. that's what happens. You act within a flawed system, you can get the results that you want. Mm-hmm. So... Yes, bye, run away. Um, the press is having this like very intense meeting with the president mm-hmm. about exactly what's going on with mm-hmm. her cancer. And Tori loses her fracking mind. She does. Uh, she's like, you vultures can go pick over another carcass. It's and, a lot. She uh, looks very Rosalind's like, hey, cool, cool, cool. Why don't you leave now? Uh, <laughs> but I love this beat of like, Yes, I'm sorry. Emotions are running high, but I'm totally fine. Next question. <laughs> and that's when we get like, how long do you have to live? How long do you have to live, Karen? I love it. It's so good. It's, it's a so brilliantly good. written little short scene. It's- uh, but then she goes back and has this like really painful scene with Tori mm. where she's like, oh, and she tells her to put a comb through her hair. Uh, yeah. Which like, I just. Uh, it's a little on the line of the like mm. that 
woman versus woman shame yeah. thing that I don't love. But um, it's also legitimate because she does yeah. look like shit. But I feel like a line not comb your hair, especially given the prevalence of issues of women of color or people of color in the workplace being told that their hair is not neat enough because their hair is just their hair and they can't help that it's like that i'm quite sure that's not how they wrote it i but don't they can't, think it is. they can't help how it might how play. society is i feel like yes i get the point but like they but yeah. also like it's one of those moments where it's like, yes, yeah, she's not doing her job right. Absolutely call her out for that. But do you have to stoop to the rest? Like, is it the same thing? But mm. um, there w- was a apparently written a longer version of this scene that they had to cut, um, which was about Tori's relationship with, with Sam. Yeah, yeah. Because once they edited the episode that hadn't really happened yet <laughs> yeah they decided to put in the second half yeah, yeah. so it was a whole thing yeah i but about I how like starbuck half. was really valued in the fleet and mm. it's disrespectful to be with sam so soon yeah wow yeah i didn't know because like he mentioned it in the second podcast but not that she yeah, got shame for that that's where that conversation was going, but uh, it no. had to be edited to the point where it was out of order and it Thank didn't make sense. Goodness. Honestly, it's better. The, mm-hmm. the most we get is a comment about her hair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but calling Rosalind a carcass probably isn't a great move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Hilo is the new temporary XO. XO, Hilo. filling in everywhere. Hilo here, Hilo there. Hilo everywhere, please lovely man uh they're doing apollo's plan which is like kind of a thing that goes nowhere um where there's like sending Mm. out the other ships to jump around with the fuel ship to make it look like we're jumping around again to make it look like they're not going to the ionian nebula where the silence obviously knew they were going anyway Mm -hmm. um hilo has this whole thing about like being able to smell bad weather which seems like a very american system of uh, measurement look guys that's ridiculous just put a groundhog down there <laughs> more groundhogs in space mm-hmm. um ty now is hearing actually music in the walls of the ship in He's his underwear losing his mind he yes I, we got to the second episode yes and so to our listeners i'm sure that you would not do a three-hour podcast in one take so we are gonna take a moment here uh, and we're going to maybe get a little bit of whiskey and, you know, just take one moment, but we're going to record the next episode right now. So they'll be up within a day of each other. Heck yeah. Uh, so we'll see you in a minute, in a day, in 24 hours. Bye. <laughs>